Welcome everyone to Do Well and Do Good. You're here because you have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. I'm your host, Dorothy Ilson, and I'm here to help you discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited to introduce to you today's guest, Alan Woods, co-founder of the Mortar Entrepreneurship Academy in Cincinnati. Now, before I tell you more about Alan, today's episode is brought to you by Needles Eye Media, the premier media buying partner for seven-figure personal brands and other digital product businesses who are looking to scale with paid traffic. So if you have a business that is currently spending $10,000 or a month or more, So if you have a business that is currently spending $10,000 per month or more on paid traffic, but need a partner with the strategy and execution to help you scale, then reach out to me or head to our website at needleseyemedia.com. Now, without further ado, Alan Woods is a visionary entrepreneur whose mission is to create diverse communities. He and his partner are doing this by enabling historically marginalized entrepreneurs to access the resources needed to start and run successful businesses. Since starting the program in 2014, he's gained recognition as a Forbes 30 under 30 social entrepreneur, Echoing Green Fellow, and a TEDx speaker. His goal is to mentor and uplift 1,000 entrepreneurs through the incubator over the next three years. Absolutely incredible. Alan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Well, so set the stage for me. You know, what was life like for you growing up and what were you doing before starting Mortar in 2014? So uh, I have been a creative for my entire life. Um, I've always done something creative. So from, you know, drawing and uh, doing photography, I started actually as a photographer when I was around 12. Um, And then continue to do photography to this day, but also um, as a graphic designer. So that that has been a major part of my life from the beginning is to just kind of creatively problem solve. And so as an entrepreneur and with Mortar, that's exactly what we do is we look at creative ways to analyze the problems in our community and figure out ways to um, be as creative in our solutions uh, in that process. So um, rolling the ball basically it feels like a snowball from uh becoming a a young uh you know photographer to graphic designer to really i started to do a lot of brand strategy and working with small businesses at that time to help them with what was originally just their brand identities and strategy um, and then kind of morphed into me doing a lot of consulting work with small businesses to help them understand marketing more uh, and to help them to discover how they could be more profitable. Um, and all of those things are skills that I get to bring to work every day now that we have created Mortar. And as we continue to grow, um, that's, that's something that I get to come to work every day and uh, be creative and figure out ways to approach entrepreneurship in our communities uh, in a way that helps people to move forward Uh, and to help to build generational wealth for their family. 
Amazing. So I'm curious, you know, have you always seen entrepreneurship as a goal? You know, even when you were in you know, high school, did you anticipate that you would become an entrepreneur or was it something that, uh, you know, you, you realized as you started going through your journey? I think definitely entrepreneurship has always been part of what I could see myself doing. So even as a kid, you know, it would be, you know, me selling candy or something like that at school or, um, you know, fresh out of high school, I decided to take a break and not go to, you know, straight to college. And I was working at a parking garage. Um, but, you know, it's like, okay, I'm sitting here in this booth and, you know, I have all these customers coming through. And a lot of times I would have my radio in there and I'm playing my music and I was often playing things people hadn't heard and they were asking, you know, what are you playing? And so I started actually making mixtapes for people. So when they would come through and ask those questions, I'd be like, oh, I'm playing this mixtape. You can buy one for this amount. And <laughs> so I started actually making extra money at my job. My boss was not happy about that. But, you know, I've just always been entrepreneurial and trying to figure out ways to kind of supplement my income and ways that um, to use that creativity to um, kind of move forward, you know, in, in this journey. So what were the problems or, you know, the entrepreneurial climate, if you will, in Cincinnati uh, that, you know, you and your partners recognized and, you know, thought needed to be improved? Yeah. So um, Derek Brazil and William Thomas are my uh, business partners and uh, co-founders here at Mortar. And essentially, one of the things that we noticed in an area called Over the Rhine, which is here in Cincinnati, um, one of the things that we noticed was that after um, businesses started to put a lot of investment dollars into the neighborhood, we noticed that there were people who were in the neighborhood and had been here for the whole time that weren't the same ones that were getting the investment. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're on the streets and over the Rhine and you're walking from store to store or restaurant to restaurant, you are noticing that there are a lot of different types of people, um, different classes, races, gender, everything, you know, so you see people who are rushing by on the way to their corporate jobs and you see people who are, you know, families going from, you know, one place to another or to the park or grocery store or whatever. And when we looked at the business community, one of the things that we noticed was that um, even though there was a lot of diversity when you walk by on the sidewalk, that diversity stopped at the door of all of the businesses. So when we looked at what the business owners look like, um, it was not the same as the diversity that we saw outside of the businesses. And so, you know, like anybody, we looked at this as a potential problem that could be solved, but instead of uh, complaining and just saying, you know, this is, this sucks and just keep it moving with our day, we decided that we were going to create something that could assist entrepreneurs who have great ideas and maybe just didn't have the access to knowing how to start their business or to um, the, the money they would need to get started or to a space that they would need for a storefront. Um, so we decided to create an entity that would help to create solutions for all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, access to resources 
it's everything. I mean, if, yeah. if you, even if you have a, a dream for a business or you have an idea or, you know, you are entrepreneurial, if you don't have anyone in your life that is supporting that, that is, uh, you know, helping you to, you know, to, to meet the people you need to meet and to, you know, figure out where to even start, you know, where to get information. I think it's something that a lot of us as entrepreneurs take for granted. Uh, you know, I know for, yeah. for me personally, like my, my dad's a business owner. And so, uh, you know, I just always had that, um, you know, that, that I could see, you know, from the time I was a, a kid. And if you don't have that, it can, it can be, it is, you know, dramatically more difficult to actually go after, you know, whatever your idea, your goal, you know, your, your dream as an entrepreneur is. So, you know, leveling that playing field in the way that you guys are is, uh, you know, is, is really such an important component of increasing the diversity of businesses, you know, not only in Cincinnati, but, but in communities all over, you know, so you had this idea, right? You know, you saw this mm -hmm. problem, you had the idea, how did you actually take that from, you know, a concept for, for mortar, for an incubator in over the Rhine and turn it into, you know, reality, you know, where you could actually start to help these business owners? Yeah. I think that the first thing that we did was we recognized that there were certain gifts and talents that we brought to the table. And so we had to kind of do an audit of sorts to figure out what is it that we're really good at. Um, and so one of the things that we recognize is that, you know, William is great with relationships and he had a nonprofit background. Um, Derek is uh, a political science major. So he is really one that's big for advocacy and, you know, policy change. Um, and also, um, is a, you know, had a background in fundraising and development. Mm -hmm. um, and then I brought in the creative side. So developing our brand and figuring out what it looked like, felt like, sounded like, uh, what the visuals were going to be and the overall perception and marketing, you know, for our entity. So that was kind of where we started was figuring out what is it that we currently have, but then also trying to recognize what are we missing? And one of the things that we were missing was if we want to do a program for entrepreneurs, um, we had no ability to, you know, do this without funding. And so we started to kind of hit the pavement and figure out how could we get the funding to do this. And there was a lot of people who took a chance on us even before we were a nonprofit, you know, and people who were willing to invest in the idea because they saw that it was something that needed to happen and there needed to be a shift. And so we had, People who had early buy-in um, who said, hey, we want to help. Um, and then from there, it was how do we find a curriculum that, that fits the needs that we have? Um, and so we did a lot of research to discover, like, which curriculum are we going to use to this, help us through this process? And so we found one that, that worked for what we needed at the time. Um, and ultimately, we used it for about two years, three years, and decided to to write our own curriculum based on what we had learned over that time. So I think that, you know, now we're in a place where we have our own curriculum. We're working on really getting to a place of ownership. So we have this intellectual property that we own that we are able to now use as an additional tool for resources because we can license this out to other organizations that are similar to ours um, who have recognized that they have the same dynamics in their communities or the same challenges or problems in their neighborhood, and they want to create a system that is more equitable, 
where, you know, people can come to a course and learn how to start a business or grow their business. So we're able to utilize what we've learned and actually monetize that through consulting uh, mm -hmm. for other cities or other organizations and through our curriculum as well. So that would, that would say that was kind of the starting point for us. It's kind of recognizing what we had, but then also realizing what we didn't have and what we needed to create in that process. Self-awareness as an entrepreneur yeah, is, I think, it's one of the most important things. And it sounds like one of the you know, main advantages that the three of you had was that you your strengths were not the same strengths. Uh, you know, right. you were able to, you know, recognize where, you know, where one of you could take the lead and, you know, where everyone could really shine in their role. So I think that is absolutely critical when you're choosing partners to make sure that you're not choosing partners that are just like you. Would you agree? Exactly. Absolutely. Um, I think that when people do that, I always use this analogy of a basketball team. Like when I'm, if you're going out and you want to pick a championship basketball team, you don't want to pick five people who only can shoot three pointers. You know, you want the guy who can shoot the three pointers. You want somebody who can pass, somebody who can dunk, somebody who can defend. You want to have a really good mix if you want to have a championship team. Um, otherwise, there are people who go out and they try to find a partner who has the same skill set, and then you end up with just two of the same person. Um, whereas somebody is stronger on the creative side, but somebody else is stronger on the written or verbal side, then there's someone else who's stronger in math. Like you have this better blend of different components to come together and, you know, make kind of a championship team. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you know, going back actually to the funding, it's such mm -hmm. a common problem, you know, when you, you have an idea and, you know, you, you need money to get it off the ground. I'm curious if you could go a little bit more into that and perhaps share any advice you would have for someone who is in that process of, of trying to go and raise capital. Yeah. Um, when thinking about raising capital, there's definitely a level of expertise that you should have. Um, the, the, one of the main things is figuring out what your points of differentiation are. Because if you're doing something that has already been done, but you're doing it in a new or exciting way, then it gets people exciting, excited about it, and then it makes them want to contribute because they want to be a part of that success. Um, so figuring out what are you doing differently, even if you're solving a problem that someone else has solved. I mean, if you think back to Steve Jobs and this initial conversation about an iPhone, um, it is, hey, I'm tired of carrying around a phone book. I'm tired of carrying around a calculator, a phone, and like all of the other things that ultimately the iPhone was trying to solve the problem of. Um, it ha he had to figure out what is the thing that is different that I have and it's that creative problem solving. Um, and when you're able to solve a problem creatively, that leads to the ability to monetize that. But if you are coming up with a business and it's the same business that everybody else is doing, it's going to be really hard for you to get capital for it. I mean, we don't need another t-shirt company. We don't need another cupcake like unless you're doing something innovative with cupcakes that's never been done, it's going to be really hard for someone to say, you know, as an investor or otherwise, hey, I want to put my money behind this thing because there's already so many people doing that thing. So it's figuring out what you're good at, um, but then also figuring out your points of differentiation and making it an exciting journey for somebody to want to be a part of. 
mm-hmm. because if you're not excited about it and I'm not excited about it, it is probably something that's not going to last and it's not something I want to put money into. Um, so when we started, we had to figure out a way to make entrepreneurship exciting, you know, and how do we point out the problem is that, you know, there are women, there are African-Americans that are in this community who want to be a part of this growing economy, but they don't have access points. You know, that's essentially the problem that we're solving is that we have people who are just as talented, if not more talented than the counterparts who are opening the businesses, but they don't have the access. So that was an exciting problem for a lot of people who really agreed with the fact that this is something that helps the black community, helps women in the community, and uh, ultimately helps the entire city. And then, so then other cities are getting excited by seeing the, the success that we've had in um, developing this type of programming in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. How did you attract the first class of entrepreneurs? Um, very carefully, because it was terrible, honestly. Like when we first started, we had put out a call to applicants and we had posters all over the neighborhood and we held like little meetings. It was like, you know, if you're, if you're interested, you know, come to this session. We'll give you more info. Uh, we even put out a flyer because at the time we didn't have an office. So we were, uh, we put out a flyer like, hey, set up a meeting with us. We'll meet you at this coffee shop, you know, and, you know, nobody replied. Like it was really crazy. Like we had three people who applied to the program and if it's four, you know, a program that's designed to be a cohort of 10 to 15 people. And nobody, you know, we had three people who applied and was like, man, did we make a terrible decision or what? You know, was this not, we were trying to figure out if we read it wrong, you know? Was this something that people didn't need and we just thought that they needed it? You know, like, are there entrepreneurs who want to grow their businesses in the community, but they don't want to do it this way? Um, which was a challenge for us because it really makes you check your assumptions at the door and, you know, sometimes and recognize that this isn't necessarily always going to work on that first iteration. Um, the next part for us was that there was a little bit of interest by the local business courier, uh, newspaper and, uh, they wanted to meet up with us and do an article because they thought that what we were doing was cool and innovative and uh, just different and something that was needed in Cincinnati. So we set up that meeting, did the interview, went to print, and then the next thing you know, we had 24 more applicants. And so we had uh, the choice to kind of sift through these 27 applicants and figure out who our first 15 were going to be. But there was a moment there where we had to make a decision if this was a hurdle or a barricade. You know, there's always going to be those times in entrepreneurship where you have to determine, is this something I'm supposed to get over or is this an intentional obstacle that is trying to prevent me from going a place for my safety? You know, and it's like, we determined that this was a hurdle. Uh, when we got the three, it was like, okay, we can get over this. We think that there's something here. Um, and so we, we jumped the hurdle and ever since then we've been running this race and it's been, uh, great to, uh, see that now, you know, we went from having three people interested to 
We already have 250 graduates from our program in the last five years. Uh, and we maintain a waiting list of people who are ready, ready to come through the program. And as we start to look at other communities and cities, you know, we're expanding and there's going to be more people who are essentially taken to a different level because there were a couple guys in Cincinnati who saw a problem that we figured could be fixed and we figured out a way to fix it. So, yeah. Wow. And I mean, when you really play that out, 250 graduates of your program, you know, it's not right. even just about those 250 people. It's about mm -hmm. their families. It's about yeah. the customers and the clients of those businesses that they're serving. I mean, the, the reach of that is, uh, is just incredible. So, you Absolutely. know, Alan, could you share with me, you know, maybe one or two of your favorite success stories from the program? So that's like picking like your favorite kid. <laughs> I know um, it's hard. <laughs> I will tell you a couple of the stories of um, some of our alumni that are featured on our website, um, kind of in our certified section, uh, which we just redid our website. Um, and one of the things that we wanted to capture on the website is that there are uh, a, a lot of alums that are coming through our program who are making a lot of noise and they're doing um, some big things. But then there's some other people who are kind of the gold standard of what this program really means to the community. Um, and so we love every single one of our alums, but there are some people who are really special and they've done some things kind of even beyond our wildest imagination. Um, so uh, one of those individuals um, is named Brian Jackson, and he has, he, when he first came to us, he's in our very first class, and his story is so powerful because his story is one of resilience and patience and determination and um, really making a commitment to doing this for real, you know, so... Mm -hmm. He came to us, he had been doing home brewing for about three years, and he had won a couple competitions in like kind of the home brewing circuit, and people were, you know, really impressed with his beer. And so he came to us and he said, you know what, I want to make this a real business. I want to make a brewery. And for us, that was just like, it's an, that's a huge business. You know, it's not like, Hey, I want to make a, a, a like a, a you know something small like a trinket. You know, it's like I want to make a brewery. For one, there's licenses, licenses and regular around doing manufacturing beer. But then you want to do like a whole brewery and tap room and all of these things. And so he came to our program five years ago. He graduated. He won our pitch night. Um, and he has since gone on to crowdfund. Uh, he did kind of an equity crowdfunding model where last year he raised $700,000 towards starting this brewery. And wow. it's actually literally like catty corner from our office that I'm in right now in Walnut Hills. And so, you know, this time next year, you know, we'll be able to walk down uh, after work or, you know, have meetings at his brewery. And it's because he was determined even after graduation he went on to work at another brewery because he wanted to learn how to be, become a more sophisticated brewer 
he wanted to, he actually also worked at another company that did distribution because he wanted to learn that side of the business too. So it's like, we can get you started and we can help you grow. But ultimately when it comes down to it, if the entrepreneurs have a certain level of sophistication and dedication to their business, like they are going to put in the work and get to that next level. Um, and so he would be one that I definitely, you know, would put, you know, at the top of the list of people who have come in and really made us proud about the decision to start our business, recognizing that it has assisted other people in doing theirs. Another person would be uh, Kristen Bailey, who when she got to us, she had a uh, tent. She had a barbecue grill and she had a business name. And that was pretty much all she had when she got to us. Um, and she said, I want to do barbecue. Um, at that point, I don't even know that she had had a smoker at that point. I think that came later. But she said, in the next three years, I want to have a food truck. And um, she came to us. She put in the work. This, I mean, this young lady does more on social media than probably anybody I've ever seen. Like, she is constantly putting stuff out and everybody knows everything that she's doing because she's always telling her story. She's always sharing pictures of her food that are quality. Um, she is always working to maintain her, her recipes and her consistency and get better. Um, and when she graduated from our program, she graduated in December um, of that year. And within three months, she had her first truck. Now this is somebody who came in and said, in three years, I want to have a food truck. And, she came into the program and was able to accelerate that. She has since left her job, and so she's doing this full time. She's added a uh, a carryout restaurant where she's you know prepping the food, and people can come in and order and carry it out. And uh, then she added a new truck this year, so she has two food trucks, one restaurant, and she's in the process of trying to get a larger restaurant so she can do dine-in. Um, and so, you know, she also is a story of somebody who came to us with a really dope idea and said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm ready to put the work in. I just need for you guys to give me a chance and to guide me along the way. So she also last year was the um, Small Business Administration Entrepreneur of the Year for Ohio. Um, so that was like a huge thing, you know, for us to say that we have this person who's come through our program and made it to that level where she got to go all the way to DC to receive an award and to potentially, you know, she was in the running for being entrepreneur of the year for the United States. I mean, like that's huge, you know? Um, and then lastly, I would just tell you about a guy named Means who came to our program. Um, and when he got to us, he had already started a clothing company, apparel company called Black Owned. Um, and he has gone on to, uh, a couple years ago, it was the number one clothing brand uh, in Atlanta. Um, he's still based here in Cincinnati. He just celebrated eight years of his business. Um, and earlier this year, we were able to collaborate with him and assist him in the process to open up Black Coffee, which is a coffee shop right next door to his boutique. Um, and through this uh, coffee shop, it was one of the times that we've been able to assist with uh, contributing funding because that's one of the other things because you asked about funding earlier. Um, one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to figure out how to eliminate some of those barriers and funding is one of those. So we have 
a program called the Iron Chest where we were able to do a few grants a year, but then we're able to do low interest loans. And we were able to give him a loan that helped to get him started um, on that journey. And then we put him in contact with some other people who were able to do grants. And so now he has a coffee shop that he's running, but he's also the story of somebody who is really out here trying to learn everything. I mean, he had no, he is a person who loves coffee, but didn't know how to prepare coffee in the way that you need to prepare it to be a, you know, a coffee shop. So he had to go out and he's training with people and, you know, learning, you know, he's putting pictures up of his pores and his little decorations and on the lattes. I mean, like, so these are people who are like super passionate about the entrepreneurial endeavors that they have. And we're just proud to be a small part of their stories where we help them to gain more confidence, help them to gain the resources. And ultimately, uh, we're just giving them the tools they need to succeed and move forward. Mm, gosh, well, I know it's like picking a, picking a, <laughs> picking from yeah. your children, but you <laughs> definitely pulled out three incredible stories. And you know, it, it's worth mentioning too that it's only been five years since you started this, and yeah. you're already seeing the you know seeing the manifestation of your original vision. I mean, being able to walk across the street and you know walk into a brewery and have a beer from you know one of the, the graduates of your first uh, your first cohort is absolutely yeah. phenomenal. And absolutely. what I what I think is so amazing too is the way that you are continuing to you know, be a visionary and think about you know, creative ways to expand the impact of mortar uh, you know, beyond just you know, the original concept. So I know that you recently expanded to Milwaukee. You've opened up a retail mm-hmm. space. So yeah. you know, as we finish up here, you know, before we have to say goodbye, tell me you know, about, about those two initiatives and really what you see as the future of mortar in the next five years. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that we have discovered is that we don't want to be hoarders. Um, When we learn things, we want to share our knowledge. And that was the reason that we created the master's curriculum. That was the reason we have started to reach out to other cities. We we used to get a lot of calls. Um, We did a, we had NBC Nightly News come and do a special on us a couple years ago. Um, and we got so many calls after that from around the country, from people who recognize that they have similar situations in their city and they didn't know what to do. And so they wanted to have us come and help them in that process. And honestly, at that time, we weren't ready. You know, we still had so much more to learn, um, here that we weren't ready to put something out to help other people to, um, solve their problems. You know, it's kind of the thing when you're on the airplane and they say, you know, like, put your mask on first before helping others. And we mm-hmm. had to take the first three years, um, well, actually probably closer to the first four, four to five years we had to take to put, off, put our mask on ourselves mm-hmm. to make sure that we knew what we were doing and we were taking care of ourselves and our community first. And then now we are able to expand to other cities. And so, you know, when I, when I think of Milwaukee, Milwaukee is very similar to Cincinnati. It is a beer town. It is, you know, very similar with uh, some of the systemic issues that, you know, have plagued a lot of our cities across the United States, you know, Um, and with the black population kind of being left behind in this process through redlining and gentrification and, you know, all kinds of programs that, um, you know, our government had initially created. 
And so now we are working on our end to uh, create solutions for some of the problems that we're left with after those things um, and after those systems. So um, that's essentially what we're working to do. And, and that's what has allowed us to expand to Milwaukee and some of the other cities that are contacting us currently. That's the thing that's going to push us forward. And that's the thing that's going to make us better is that we see that there's another level. Um, yes, we've been around for five years. We've done a lot of great things. We've made a lot of difference in our community, but there's so much more to do. And there's so many more people in America that need to be affected and they need to, you know, be lifted up and they need to get the information they need to move forward and to be able to build generational wealth within their families. And so, um, that gives us kind of a, a reason to wake up every day and to get going and understanding that there's so much more work to do, you know, with our expansion and, uh, with our curriculum and, you know, uh, even with our pop-up shops, you know, we have a network of pop-up stores that we um, license out to people going through our program or other entrepreneurs in the community, um, which gives them an opportunity to kind of test out their ideas and see what's going to work um, before they go off to find a year-long lease somewhere and then find out the hard way that they needed to make adjustments. So this gives them a chance to test out early. And so for us, it's, it's just about, let's test this out. Let's see what we can do to make change instead of being the people who are sitting around complaining, like, let's get out here and actually um, do something to make a difference in our community. Well, you certainly are creating change and you've been recognized in doing that by, by so many different you know, organizations and publications, you know, Forbes just being one of those. So, you know, Alan, congratulations on mm -hmm. all of your success so far. I know this is truly only the beginning. So yeah. you know, where can people listening go to learn more about Mortar to potentially even apply to the program and you know, follow what you're doing? Right. So to clarify, Forbes 30 under 30 was Derek, by the way. Derek and William, I was already over 30, so they didn't give me even like a <laughs> consolation prize or anything. But, oh, no, yeah, my so, apologies. Yeah, so, no, it's all good. So that was Derek and William. But um, people can find us everywhere online. Um, all they need to do is type in We Are Mortar, and that's W-E-A-R-E-M-O-R-T-A-R. -E and doing that will take you to our website. So you go to wearemortar.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's all at We Are Mortar. Um, and if you're ever in Cincinnati, uh, reach out to us and we would love to give you a tour of the city, show you around to some of the businesses that we have had a hand in um, assisting to grow and develop um, and uh, come buy some of our merchandise. You know, come hang out. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Alan, thank you so much for doing this with me today. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's our show. Now, before I sign off, I want to genuinely thank you for giving me this gift of your time and attention. If you are getting value from the podcast, the most helpful thing you can do is leave a five-star review and share this with your friends. It truly means the world to be able to spread this message with you, and I'm so grateful for your help. So with that, I hope this episode has inspired you to go out there and do well and do good, and I'll see you back here next week. Oh,